we'll uh, we'll maybe revisit it down the road a little bit. But but James chapter number four. Let's look at verse number one through number four. The Bible says in James 4, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust, that war in your members. Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend with the world is the enemy of God. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for this day. We thank you for this time together. Pray, God, that you would just bless this word. God, I pray that you would bless this scripture and grow it in our hearts. I pray, God, that this scripture would find uh, fallow ground in our hearts prepared to receive the seed of your word and the seed of your truth. God, I pray that as it gets there, we would nurture that word. And, God, I pray that we would allow it to grow up and spring forth from our life. And I pray that you would bless us. I pray, God, that you would put um, in our lives someone that we might be able to be an example to. I pray that we would live um, holy, separated lives uh, when we're not here. I pray, God, that we would take so seriously that when we walk out these doors, we're a representative of you and your son, Jesus. We love you. We thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, this morning, I want to look at these verses and think about what God's trying to um, to teach through James. And I, um, the book of James is one of my uh, favorite books of the Bible, and I just love it. It's a good um, general epistle. And um, so he's, he's reaching out and teaching uh, church people. Obviously, there was some uh, an issue uh, in, in the church somewhere and uh, an issue with God's people and their focus upon their service to the Lord. And so this morning, I want to look at misguided members. That's uh, that's what I want to look at, and this is part of a kind of a bigger thought I have, but I want to look at mis- misguided members. And I believe we would say today that if there's ever a time that the church needed to activate and get together and serve and, and reach out and love people and show, um, you know, show people the way, it's now. And Kathy was talking about in Sunday school, she uh, was, was mentioning about how that, you know, we, we, we want to see people get saved and people need to be saved and they, they need to get a hold of, of the Lord. They need to get a hold of the, of the truth of his word and, get, and take seriously uh, the things that are of a spiritual nature because it's not hard to see. Uh, that, that this thing's coming to an end. It's not hard to see that God is uh, is kind of winding uh, the the you know the clock up. It's about time for uh, for um, Him to return and for us to get out of here. And uh, that's a wonderful thing. But I want to take as many people with me as possible. I want to see as many people uh, know Him as possible. Not that I can do anything, but that they may see something in me that would be desirable. That they see something in me that would be an example of the Lord. And uh, you know, I, I I think about someone. That we know, and, and uh, my dad worked with him for a little while, and uh, hears stories about how when people would get around him, he just lived and walked a, a, a life that uh, he's a, a good, godly man. People get around him, and everybody gets nervous, and everybody would would uh, start talking about church, and start talking about the Bible, and start talking about the Lord. And you know, I believe that that's been a, a trend in the church for years and years and years. You even find it uh, even back to the uh, the New Testament days, and you find that uh, people just kind of get spiritual when they need to. And um, and I believe this was. 
was a, a wonderful example. Like I said, my, my, my dad's telling a story about this guy, and people get around, and, oh, we're all holy, and we're good, and we're right, and this and that and the other. And, you know, uh, I believe in this time I've talked to a lot of people that they're they're getting to that point. Like, you know what, I'm I, the, the we feel the presence of the Lord. We feel the, the, the need uh, to get right. And, uh, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm thankful that, that, you know, I, I feel like I'm pretty prepared in this kind of situation. I feel like that in somewhat, some shape, some form that I, you know, I've, I've been preparing through my prayer, through my study, through my life and my walk with the Lord, that when something like this happens, that it's not a, a point of chaos for me spiritually. Now you add in, uh, being married and you add in having a, having a baby on the way. And I know you got you have kids and you have this, so you have those stresses comes in and it changes things. It changes kind of the, 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 the buildup of, of the way you're reacting to the situation. But spiritually, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty happy. And it, but in the church, you, you find that, uh, even back in this day that there were folks in the church that just were a little bit misguided in their intentions and the things that they would do. So I would challenge us this morning with this truth from, from James, and I would challenge us this morning with the reading and, and looking at this scripture to evaluate and, and look at what these misguided members were doing and why they didn't see anything happen. I want to settle in my heart, settle in my life, that I'm going to be an example. I don't know, it may be on the earth for uh, seven days. The Lord may come back next week. But it may be seven years. It may be 70 years. We don't know. Um, as Brent mentioned, God's time is, is way different than ours. It's just he works on a different schedule, and that's all right. He created everything so he can do whatever he wants. But I want to be prepared, be instant in season, be instant out of season. We know that the return of Christ cometh like a thief in the night when you least expect it. And I just want to be a prepared person. So I want to make sure that what I'm doing spiritually, I want to make sure that what I'm adding to the church is guided correctly. It's not guided by my benefit. It's not guided by my gain, but it's guided by the purpose in my heart that I want to see God do something. And so we see here these misguided members, and I'm going to read verse 1, from whence come wars and fighting, fightings among you, come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members. I'm a, and Shelby and I were talking about this this morning, the division the division between Christians, between families, between the division almost seems like, you know, years ago you think about the division between countries. I mean, you think about some of the greatest times in our, in our U.S. history, the Revolution, World War One, World War II. Uh, you think about those days and those generations of men and women. It was really our country versus other countries. Uh, one country standing together, um, the, the majority of people on the same page. And, that, and the, the situation kind of dwindled from there. You know, you have our country versus other people, but it, got, it, it gets to the point where it's, it can be region against region and, uh, you know, political party against political party and mindset against mindset. It's dwindled all the way down to where it hits the home and it's neighbor versus neighbor. And then you get to the point where it's parents versus children. And we're to the day to where, uh, where it's parents versus parent versus children versus neighbor versus country versus this versus that versus that person. And it's everyone against everyone. And I believe that these, these wars and the fightings among these people, it, come, it, it comes out of a lust, out of a desire, out of our heart uh, to, to gain for ourselves, to benefit from me. Whatever I got to do to get myself uh, something to make me happy. Whatever I got to do to get something that can benefit me and so you find with these misguided members you find first in verse number two you find empty desires empty desires ye lust and have not ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain 
ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Empty desires. They have empty desires because you see them and you see these people here specifically. What they do and all they do, all they seek to obtain, all they seek to have, it's something that they have went out and done on their own. I think about all that I can do within myself, within my own power. I could have a successful job. I could have successful home life. I can have a successful this. I can have a successful that. But at the end of the day, if I've done it all myself, I'm not really standing on solid ground. Correct. I can I can make life great for me. I can ch chase after um, you know desires to have things and buy things and do things and chase after things and build things. And I could run after that out of my own power. And I can do that. But when it all comes crashing down, when it all comes falling apart, what was my? I go back and I'm like, what? What is it from the beginning that caused that situation? And it's because my desires were empty. There's something that, that inside that I'm not being driven by the right desire from within. I want a desire from my heart to have what God wants me to have, what God wants me to bless me with. Well, so-and-so has this or so-and-so has that. I've got, I want to get that. I want to chase after that. I want to do that. But it says, <clears throat> it says, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Now, some people take this a little bit out of context and you say, well, all right, if this is what the Bible says, I'm going to ask God for a mansion and I'm going to ask God for 10 cars and I'm going to ask God for a swimming pool that's shaped like a guitar and I'm going to ask God for this and ask God for that and he'll give it to me. And if he doesn't, I'm going to be mad at him because he didn't provide it for me. And that's not the way it works, unfortunately. If you ask God out of your heart, out of a sincere heart, I don't believe you're going to say, Lord, out of a sincere heart, give me a brand new sports car. Out of a sincere heart, God, give me the biggest mansion you've ever seen. Give me the Biltmore estate. Give me No, out of a sincere heart, I'm, I believe you'll pray, God, give me what I need. And when I pray, God, give me what I need, he blesses. And I've told people time and time again, God's never paid me minimum wage. He's always provided for me more and more and more than I've ever needed. When, when I've had uh, situations and positions where the money wasn't there, God give me what I need, and he's blessed me with beyond what I can imagine. I can't, I mean, I'm to the point now when something comes up in my life, I'm like, the first thing that comes to my head, hey, let's, let's pray about this. Let's let God handle this. It used to, and I'm not saying I always do that successfully, but it, it was, the mindset was always, all right, this is the challenge in front of me. This is what I've got in front of me. This is what I've got to fix. This is what i got to do. I need to go make that happen. I'm challenged with having this in my life. I'm challenged. All right, I'm, i got to get married. i got to go make that happen. I've got to go do everything I can to make it happen because that's what people do. You go get married. No. That's kind of the desire, and you realize. And I look back now, and I'm thinking, half the girls I thought I, I would have married, I'm... Very glad I didn't because my life, would it would have been me. It would have been my empty desires. It would have been what I could do to make that happen. Yeah. I'd be miserable. I would not be standing before you today. Well, I got to gotta have this thing or that thing. I got to go do everything I can to get it. And you do that and you end up empty and you end up empty and you end up fighting and you end up in a war with yourself. You end up with a, in a war with the devil. You end up in a war with your family. Where did it begin? Right. If I just say, God, you handle it. 
We started, and I've, t- I've told the story. I've told it, and I, it's still growing. My story's still growing. By the time I'm an old preacher, my folks, you'll have to pray for them because it'll be a long story because of how good God is. But it started out, Lord, I just want 16 years old. I want the biggest, loudest, highest truck I can find. There used to be a pickup truck that set. It was for sale, Jimmy Hedden's Collision Center on Lester Highway. Every time we drive by, I'd be like, that's going to be my truck one day. That will be my truck. Never became my truck. I got a truck I didn't want, and it's ended up being the best truck I'll probably ever own. I love it. But, you know, I, in myself, my, my young little 16-year-old mind, I thought, I got to do everything again, can to get that. Well, you get out in the dating scene and get out dating girls and you know, chase after them and talk to them and put on a good show and smell good and trim your nose hairs and everything, look good, make sure everything's perfect. And then you end up like, man, I'm glad, I, I'm, I'm, glad I'm seeing that this is not somewhere I need to be. Glad it's not a relationship I want to be in. And that challenged me in my heart to pray, God, you send me the right person to marry. And he did. I'm like, oh, that worked out good. Lord, you just, you just take care of everything else. It's easy to say that when God blesses you with something, but you've got to be careful because God blesses, blessed me with a good wife, and then here we come to a house. We've got to have somewhere to live. And the option God put in front of us, the opportunity he put in front of us, I didn't want. I don't want to live 45 minutes away from where I grew up. I don't want to live on the other side of creation. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. But God began to break down my heart and allow me to see that your desire is to benefit you. Your desire is to, to get what you, what you want, what you need to have. I'm offering an opportunity for you to pay an unprecedented amount each month to rent that no one in this area, really, I, I talked to, you talked about anyone. Our situation, God blessed us so much, our rent was dirt cheap where we lived and I began to see that God opened that door for a reason Lord maybe maybe with this house we want to have I'll lean on you just a little bit more because even though it wasn't what I wanted right up front you made it into something that I could be happy with I may just preach on this one thought this I'm sorry we go through that situation with our little little house out there in Fairview and we began to look for property. We began to look for land to build a house on. Lord, take this. Give us what you need. And, and the Lord knows that we just let him handle that, and he did. And he brought us an opportunity that we couldn't pass up. But then here comes the house. we got to put a house on the land now. And I worried myself to death, and I racked my brain and pulled my hair, and I paced the floor, and I ran around, and I ran around, ran around, and it took me finally just saying, God, you just handle it. And he finally threw us a curveball that I never believed would happen with a baby. What in the world? What do I do now? How do I, how do I handle this now? Well, it worked out for me getting married. It worked out for me finding somewhere else for us to live. It worked out for us to, to, to God opened the door for us to build a house. God opened the door for us to have a baby. Well, then I got stressed out about that. I got worried about that. I got running around about that and racking my brain and pulling my hair. And I thought, God has given to me exactly what I need in every other situation. Why would I not say, Lord, you just take care of this little baby? 
I can't promise you that the day that child's born that I won't be racking my brain and pulling my hair and pacing the floor because I know I will. But I want to challenge myself that I don't want to have empty desires to benefit myself in my own heart. I know that if I don't have something, it's probably because I haven't relinquished God to handle it. First thing I thought of when we found out about this baby is who's going to take care of that baby? Because I we need a background check. We need a CIA debriefing. We need a nine-page dissertation telling me why you can take care of my baby. I mean, it, I felt new feelings I never felt. I felt new uh, reservations I'd never felt. I felt new worries I'd never felt. And God just, I finally just had to say, Lord, you'll take care of it. I know you will. He's working on it right now. I'll let you know what happens. It'll be a praise report, I guarantee you, because God will take care of it for us. God will get us to a point where we'll be happy. Just say, Lord, just handle it. What I'm getting at, what I'm trying to say is that when it says ye have not because ye ask not, is people are empty in their lives. People are empty with what they have. People can have brand new cars and brand new houses and this, that, and the other. They can have a house here and a house there and a this there and a that there, and they can buy everything they want on Amazon, and they can do everything they want, but they're empty in their hearts and they're empty in their lives because they don't say, God, you just give me what you need. Shelby and I were just talking about money. Good night. You want to stress out, just talk about money. We start talking about that, and we realize it's easy to just waste money sometimes. Things just, it just goes away. And there's not enough there to begin with, but God provides. But then there's nothing left when you're done. You're worried where it went, and you get stressed out and get worried. God has always made a way for us to have what we need. We can still give to the church. We can still use that money to hopefully help and bless some people. We can support certain things. If I've been a good steward of my financial life, I had never had to worry. And I sit and talk to people at work about their finances, about their money, about the credit, about their this, and they are just dying. And I'm inside, I'm thinking, just give it to the Lord. Just let God handle it. I'm telling you, he's the best financial counselor. He's the best spiritual counselor. He's the best mental counselor. He's the best any kind of counselor you need because we have not, we don't have what we desire, we don't have what we want, we don't have what fills us up because nine times out of ten, we haven't given it to God to provide for us to begin with. Well, I don't like my church. Well, have you asked God to move in a mighty way in your church? Have you asked God to break down the walls between you and the people in your church? Well, no. Well, no wonder you don't like your church. You haven't asked God to break down those walls. We have these prayer requests. We bring these things up. We have children that we want to pray for. We have uh, uh, people. God, this is, this, is a, this is a temple. This is a home for, for people that need to be prayed for. I believe that wholeheartedly, that this church right here has a ear with God, and he will listen to this church when we pray, and I believe 110% that anybody in this community needs to bring prayer requests to this church because you people will pray for them. I've seen it happen. And so... This is a good place to bring prayer requests, man. Thank you. We'll pray for it. These folks will pray for it. God will change the situation. And we've seen it happen. Well, we can pray about that, but this little spat here, this little spat there, this issue with the neighbor up the road, let God have that. Let God change that. Let God move that situation. You say, well, we've seen God move in the life of addicts. They want to lay drugs, drugs down and get saved and get in church. That's crazy to the world. 
to the point where their counselors at the, the rehabilitation homes can't understand what's happen, happening, but God in his, in his mighty spirit is moving in their life and changing their heart. That person that doesn't, wanna, doesn't want anything to do with God, that person that doesn't want anything to do with the Bible, that person that doesn't like people that pray, God can change their heart. The way people are, the way people act, as, as evil as people are, God can change those hearts. God wants to change those hearts, but it takes people submitting and saying, Lord, you just handle it. These misguided members, they would not do that. They would not say, Lord, just handle it. They had empty desires. Their desires were to benefit themselves. Yes, yeah, not because you have not. That's not a blank check from the Lord. But that's, Lord, you just ration to me what I need to make it. We talked about money, and I'll finish this little part up and we'll go on. We were talking about money, and I said, I, I've always admired my, my little mama and papa. You go to their house, and they have the same house they've always had, the same, they have the same chairs they've always had, they have the same phones they've always had, everything. They, don't, they just, don't, they just want, don't want for, for anything. They're just happy with what God's blessed them with. I want to be more like that. You get in this, get in the rat race, and you gotta have the new phone, you gotta have the new this, you gotta have the new that. And I'm afraid, unfortunately, that that with technology, the devil has an avenue directly into the to the minds of these young children because you come up and they're just that's what they know, that's all they know is just getting and having and doing it. Something electronic, something to buy, something to have. Somebody else has it, I've got to have it. And we're teaching the children that the this is what you've got to do to be successful. This is what you've got to have to be happy. This is what you gotta to have to, to fill yourself up. I just want to be a little more content with what God gives me. I just want to be a little bit more content with when I pray and say, Lord, just give me what I need, that there's not something in the back of my heart thinking, well, what I need is this, this, and this. But what I need to get by is a lot less than what I think. When I got married, my dad said, always live below your means. And he said, specifically, you can live with a lot less than what you think you need. And that's been true. This new thing, flashy thing that's caught my attention. And I don't preach against things. I don't preach against that stuff. God, will, God can bless you with things. And if you are a good steward of what God blesses you with, I will shake your hand. I'll never be envious of that. There's no reason to be. God blesses you. That's a, that's a wonderful thing. But I'm afraid that so many people, especially young people my age, mom and dad have this or mom and dad have that. or It's taken them 35, 40 years to get there. Grandma and Grandpa have this. It's taken them 60 years to get there. you got to realize that there's a, there's a stepping stone to having things and doing things and being at a different stage in your life. Right now, and, and I, I had a man who wasn't a Christian man, but he said through your walk in your life, you'll see that your 20s and 30s are going to be you running your tail off to provide for your family. He said you're getting to your 40s, and he said, you'll get to that point where you feel like things might slow down and you'll just get that curveball that'll cause you to speed back up. And he said, when I got into my 50s, I thought, you know, I'm going to finally retire. I'm going to finally slow down. And he said, I just couldn't do it. Life situation came around, something with his family caused him to have to continue to work. He retired. He was 62 when he retired. And he said, I was so broke down with my body, I couldn't do anything once I retired. He said, this race is just, you're racing to get to a point where you can stay home and you, you don't stay home, you go to the doctor all the time. And, and I, you know, I thought about that, and I thought, you know, from my point, I can't say that I understand that, but I look at my grandparents a little different about hearing that. I look at my parents a little different when I hear that. And, and as I'm facing situations in my life, I'm thinking, 
my goodness, I don't know as much as I think I do. And it causes me to, Lord, why don't you just take this? <laughs> I don't want to get in that, in that same spot. Now, I might have to go through a trial. I might have to have a hard time. But, God, just take me through it. Give me what I need. Bless me with, if it's just, just enough to get by, bless me with what I need. It was that quarterly we were reading this morning. It was talking about how, uh, you know, money comes and how we'll just, get an, we'll just have enough just to survive. You know, if we've got just enough just to survive, I think sometimes we're probably better off. When I get a little bit extra, that causes me to get distracted. I'm not against you uh, having anything, but I remember when I first uh, was got my pickup truck, I was 16, and I was working, 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 and I saved up for months to buy a set of wheels and tires for my truck. That was all I wanted to do. That's all I thought about is, Man, I got this extra $400 sitting there burning a hole in my pocket, and I know as soon as I can, I'm going to go get wheels and tires for this truck. And there wasn't a spot of rust on it. There wasn't a blemish. There wasn't a dent. Shelby, it's hard to believe. There wasn't nothing wrong with that truck. The windows worked. The air conditioning worked. The heat worked. didn't have a lot of miles on it. And I put wheels and tires on that truck, and I was so proud. And I drove to school uh, that Monday, and I thought, man, all, the, all my buddies are going to look at this truck and think, man, how nice that looks, those new wheels and tires. And backing out, there was a girl pulling out, nailed the side of my truck, dented the whole side of my truck. And she was actually using drugs and high as a kite, her and her boyfriend. They ended up running off, and uh, I knew who they were. I mean, it's not like I didn't know who they were. It, but it was the worst situation. Nobody had got to school to see my truck. And by the time everybody did, I'm like, the whole side of the truck's caved in. You know, I had just a little bit excess, and I got distracted. I got caught up in what I could have and what I could show off and what I could do, and lessons are learned. I've kind of got to the point where I'm like, you know what, I just need to just have enough to get me some food, and I'll be all right, because my mind and my flesh chases after things. I have empty desire towards things. But if I can say, God, you just handle it. Just give me what you need. I'll be all right. Next, let's look in verse number 3. The Bible says, Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your own lust. We've seen empty desires, but then there's empty requests. That's what I was talking about, how this last verse is taken out of context of the Bible says ye ask not because ye, or ye have not because ye ask not. People think that's a blank check from the Lord where I'm just, you know what? I've got a list of my long, Lord. I'll just share my Amazon cart with you. You'll just take get everything I want. But it says you ask and receive not because you ask amiss. What are our intentions when we pray? What are, what are my intentions when I pray? Lord, grow our, grow our little church. Grow our little church numerically. Send a bunch of people. Make us have to build a new building. Make us have to build a bridge across the road over here because we've got to have parking over there and spread out. No, that's not the right mindset. God, spiritually grow our church. God, grow us in a way where we, we're so tight-knit spiritually that we are to the point where we just, we're just family. I know many of you are family, but God, grow us as a spiritual family. If I'm asking for God to you know, build a second story and build a balcony and build this and build that, I don't believe those are the right intentions. I believe if spiritually we can gain together, if God wants to send folks to grow this little church, he can and he will. But it's what he wants. God, I want to submit to you that you do what you want. That may include me to have to get out of the way. If that's the case, I'll do it. I love you, but if God doesn't want me standing in this pulpit, I'll get out of the way. 
If there's something in God's life for you that he needs you to move out of the way for, pray and say, God, if there's something I'm standing in the way of, let me get out of the way. Let me step aside that you may grow what you need to grow. The desire with our country right now, not, Lord, raise my political party, grow my political party, grow this, grow that, grow my social standing, do this, get this person in office. Do it. No, Lord, turn people back to you. That's the answer to the problem we're having. That's the bipartisan answer right there because God's bipartisan. He, he's not on this side or that side. He is, turn back to me. I'm the answer. This person's not the answer. This person's not the answer. And I have my thoughts and I have my views. But first and foremost in my life, I'm a child of God. Lord, turn the people back to you. That's the only thing that's going to make any change. You're having a, a bad problem at work. My work's a stressful place to be. It's stressful. I know you've, you know what I'm saying. When I'm trying to fix something, when I'm trying, Lord, just take this person out of the way. Open the door to get them out of the way. Open them to get out of here. Fix this problem. Just show this person they need to stop this or stop that. Lord, make me who I need to be so that when I go to work every morning, I'm a light. I'm an example. I carry myself in the right way. I'm honest in what I do. I'm straightforward in the things that I do. I'm clear in thinking in what I do. That kind of prayer will change my job. Those kind of prayers will change our country. Those kind of prayers will change our church. This, these people, they had an empty request because they just wanted to get what they wanted to just, just to consume it upon what they desired. I pray that we won't be that way in our own lives, whatever facet it is. If it's with your home life or with church or with whatever it is, I pray that our requests won't be empty, but they'll be filled with the Spirit of the Lord. Look here in verse number four. I believe this is the reason why their desires were empty. This is the reason why their requests were empty. Verse number four, it says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Empty desires and empty requests from empty servants. The people that are doing the praying, the people that are doing the asking, they didn't have the truth in themselves. They had something that separated them from God. So when they went to that altar to pray, when they went to that altar to ask God to provide, they didn't have the means to pray. They didn't have the, 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 the knowledge to pray because they had something that was separating them from the Lord. Right. I'm afraid that there are so many situations in churches across our country, across our world, where people want to see God do this and people want to see God do that. and We've got to have this happen. We've got to have this program. We've got to have this going on. But you have people that have something between them and the Lord or some people that may not even have God in them at all. So their prayers doesn't mean anything. It's no wonder that their prayers are uh, to gain themselves. It's no wonder their prayers are to lift up someone or lift up a, a pastor or lift up, lift up a singer. It's no wonder that that's the intention. It's because the servants are empty. Thinking about these misguided members, I think about how that thousands of years ago, the same problems we face today, it was the same thing. Sin is the same. Go back to the Garden of Eden. You find the serpent perverting the, God, the word of God to Eve, changing it and twisting it. You find Satan with Jesus, tempting Jesus, 
He perverted and twisted the word of God. You find that today, that's the source, that's the root of these problems. Somebody reads this verse. People read the Bible and think that God wants them to pick a snake up. I mean, I'm serious. I'm going to hold it right here, and if it bites me, God will save me. People drink poison because they read the Bible and God allowed someone not to die from drinking the poison. People read this right here. This is, and, and see, I, I have no problem in the world staying away from that. It's easy for me to stay away from that. If I, I ain't picking up no snake, the best thing you can do with the snakes kill it, as far as I'm concerned. But it's this subtle twisting and changing of God word, God's word that's so dangerous. You have not because you ask not. There's preachers that will say, if you just do this, 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 and this, God will give you all you ever asked for. It's that subtle, the little, that small twist. I had a message not too long ago. We looked at the, the King James Bible, and you find, if you look at Bible to Bible, subtle little changes, how dangerous those can be. They can literally change the message of salvation. I have no problem staying away from holding handle on a snake. This stuff right here, this small stuff, that's where it's dangerous. And then you have people that are in these positions. It says, the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. I'm afraid there are people that are praying, asking God to do this or do that, and they're, they're not considered a friend of the Lord. But in their mind, in their heart, they think they are. But they would just evaluate their desires are empty. Their requests are empty. They would see in themselves that they needed to get something right. I pray that from this truth here in James 4, we find and evaluate. I, I know I have. What are my desires? I say that it's gotten easier and it's gotten easier for me to, to say, Lord, you just handle it. But I tell you what, each time a new situation in my life comes up, I still think about what I can do to handle it. I do. That's all there is to it, because I know best. I really don't. I learned that time and time again, and my brain convinces itself that I know best every time. But then my desires, I, I, I reach after things and chase after things out of my own self, but then when they don't get filled up and I'm not happy and I'm in a bad spot, I want to think about my requests. What am I asking God to do? Get that person out of my life. That's not what the Bible teaches. Get that, fix that problem. Show them their wrongdoing. I remember praying that, that prayer before and thinking how small am I <laughs> that I could pray that with all God's done for me, all God's forgiven me for. Now I'm not saying that you just always going to be buddy-buddy with everybody. You don't have to be. Some people will not make things right with you as hard as you try, they will not do it. Sure. We were talking last night and I was talking to my dad the way I am. And I just, if, I, if there's an issue, if there's a problem, I would rather just go talk to the person. I can't just talk to Shelby and feel like I'm, you know, like everything's good. I can't convince myself that everything's good. I have to go talk to that person. There's some people that you'll go talk to and it, you won't be able to make it right. But God wants to see in our hearts an effort. Sure. 
towards making those things right. Our race towards our gain doesn't get us anywhere. It really doesn't. We, we run to gain for ourselves, and we find that down that road, along that path, on that race, we skip over so many places where we could have given someone the grace God would want us to give them. I find that to be so true in my life. What are my requests? God, benefit me. If I'm honest with myself, God, benefit me. God, help me. God, lift me up. God, build me up. If I'm honest with myself. Well, I didn't pray that prayer, but you know when you pray for God to show somebody their wrongdoing, or there's some people that need that prayer. It's not a wrong prayer to pray, but out of my heart, what, am I, what, what kind of request am I making? What is my heart truly saying? Lord, show that person their wrongdoing, that they might get right and we might be reconciled. If that's what my heart's saying, I'm, in, I'm good. Everything's fine. Lord, show them their wrongdoing because I'm better than them. What kind of request am I making? What is my heart truly saying? These people here in this scripture, I, I think about a, a little a child that you see. You can give them toys and toys and toys, and it's like it's not enough. It's like I just need more. I got to have more. I got to have more. There's no difference with certain Christian people that, God, I want you to do this, and God will bless them, and then they just want more. Yeah. I've been that way. I don't want to be that way. I won't, I, won't be, I want my request to be filled with God's Spirit. These people, empty servants. Yeah. I want to be a full servant in my walk with the Lord. Thank you for your time. Does anyone have anything?